everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Jellybeans for all, Marcelo. Hello. Yes. Worship director Scott, a vote for Dan is a vote for Jellybeans. Read. Yeah. And associate pastor Bill, leave me alone, Calvin. You got We're not going to leave you alone, Bill. Never. We'll never leave you alone, buddy. <laughs> Scott, will you uh, pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the sunshine coming through the windows and the sound of the wind in the trees. And Lord, just these reminders that uh, this world is wonderful and it is yours, uh, even in the midst of all the, the fear and worry and uncertainty that we're all facing right now. Um, Lord, you are still sovereign and you are still good. God, we pray your blessing on this time now, um, that we would have fun, that we would glorify your name, and that we and those who hear this would be edified and um, drawn closer to you. God, this podcast is for your honor. Uh, use it today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Scott, you said you have a new card. I do. I I honestly can't remember how much of my griping about repeated questions is in the podcast. It's all in there. It's all in there. Cool. So I found a card. I think it was one of the it was one of the first cards I looked at, if not the first one. And I don't think I've seen any of these questions before. Nice. So in keeping with our most recent methodology, we're just gonna go around the table and he's answer a question. Um, Bill, would you rather get trapped in the bottom of a dry well or stuck on a mountain ledge? Trapped in the bottom of a dry well. I'm, I'm afraid of heights. Wow. That's fair. I also was thinking about that. And there's like a chance you could climb out. How deep mm-hmm. are most wells? Bill? I don't know. Oh, oh ancient one. <laughs> <laughs> You've dug a, a well in your you day, were, right? You were, Anymore, they could be a thousand feet. So you're really a goner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Max, would you rather always have loose teeth or have every fourth one missing? Every fourth. <laughs> but they never come out. They're just rattling around. Loose. They're just rattling around. Oh, that would hurt. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It would hurt. Uh, yeah, you can't really. I mean, you got to go. Every other is missing. They're both pretty bad. What options. if it didn't hurt? I'm just concerned that like you can't eat anything anymore. Yeah, you can. It's just gonna be because really your weird. teeth. When I think of loose teeth, <laughs> I think of like when they're kind of so dangling, yeah, kind of wobbly, and so they're gonna go completely horizontal when you try and bite stuff, oh. and you lose all of your all of your wedge. That sounds so fun. Yeah, <laughs> and you can always get dental implants if every fourth one. Is well, missing. I think they have to stay. That's missing. right. I th- no, no, no. I think they have That's to stay. That's right. Okay. You could always. Okay. Max chose the easy option. Thank you. <laughs> His life is easy. <laughs> All right, Dan. Always has been. Would you, always will be. Would you rather find your way through an intricate maze with only a pencil and paper to help you or with only a compass? It's kind of like a nightmare. <laughs> uh, not really good with mazes. I think most of these questions are I don't think the compass is going to help me. I think doing the pad and paper is going to be more helpful for me personally. Hmm. That seems I just reasonable. Because I could just trace out, like, I've been there, I've done this, I've done oh, this, sure. I've done that. Yeah. Didn't work, didn't work. Go back and try again. Compass, yeah. I. That's yeah. kind of worthless. I think you're right. Yeah. True, because you don't know where the exit is. Yeah, you don't know which direction you're trying to go. Oh. Yeah, that makes good sense. That's All right, good. and my question, I didn't actually read this one, so I have no idea what it is. Would you rather lend your car to someone and have it come back with a lingering smell that just won't go away, <laughs> of a mild amount of mildew or of a tremendous amount of fried chicken? Easy, fried chicken. I love that smell. Yeah. <laughs> Not even. A Wasn't question. that a Seinfeld episode? Day. <laughs> Except then I'd always car. want fried chicken, and I'd probably. Yeah. And now KFC no longer exists on Army Trail, so I'd be really sad. Oh, did they close? Yeah, they're getting replaced by Raising Cane's. Raising Cane's. So 
we won't need nice. to drive all the way down to Glen Ellen anymore. Sweet. We can get so much Texas toast. <laughs> but Raising Cane's is going to be so close to Chick-fil-A. Oh. Well, and Popeye's. And Popeyes. Yeah, they're all right on the same yeah. street. It's true. It's a lot it's of chicken. Chicken Central. Listeners um, can send their chickens. Listeners, you can send your chicken. We'll get to that in a minute, Dan. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Scott, I got ahead of myself. For what you're reading this week, I said you're up for what you're reading. You said I had, uh, well, I had said a couple weeks ago that I might ask you what you're I playing. Know. And then last week you said I was up next. So I'm prepared for both. So Sweet. you can ask me either. What you're reading? I'm reading um, George W. Bush's memoirs oh. called Decision Points, Okay, uh, which I got after um, GLS because he was one of the speakers there. And I'm about halfway through. It's pretty hefty. It's probably like 500 pages or something like that. Um, but it's been really interesting. Um, he, It's not really chronological. Each chapter is sort of like its self-contained saga of something. Mm. Um, so he's got a chapter on like stem cells and the decisions that he made regarding that and a chapter on Iraq and a chapter on Afghanistan and a chapter on 9-11. And I'm in the uh, Iraq one right now. And, and I'm learning a lot. And one thing that I'm learning, um, which obviously, you know, you're reading someone writing about themselves. So they're going to be biased towards their own decision-making sure. process. But, you know, George Bush is a believer and I think a good man. Um, and so I believe a lot of what he's saying to be true. And it's just really interesting to see how easily people can twist and misrepresent the intentions of, of our politicians. And I think lots of politicians are kind of scummy and, and they certainly don't always make the right decisions. But like hearing kind of the thought processes he was going through to like try and make the best decisions he could, whether or not they were the right decisions is besides the point. Sure. And then like how people maligned, not just the decisions, but like his intentions and the way that, you know, mm. criticizing yeah. him of like not thinking it through and he like painstakingly like tried to get as much input as he could and prayed a lot about it and then made a decision. And they're like, ah, you just off the cuff made this decision, whatever. So, sure. so that's mm. been really good and a nice perspective of like, yeah, you know, whether or not we agree with the decision, whether or not sometimes it's the best decision that they could make with what they had, but then it turns out to be the wrong decision, whatever, you know, to not jump to the conclusion that the person is trying to be an idiot. Sure. Mm. Sure. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. How do you guys feel about reading sort of autobiographies of people who are still alive? so much of like when I read biographies or watch documentaries, like it's about people who have died. Right. And right. so like we have, like, it's not like, Oh, I could still meet this person and say, Oh, like I know all about your life. Right. I guess I prefer to read about people who are dead. <laughs> Cause at least there's the perspective of hindsight of like the full hmm. impact of their decisions. Sure. As yeah. opposed to someone that's alive, it's kind of hard to gauge. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of nice to get a perspective, like Scott's saying, like what they were thinking, sure, what like the thought process was going into making decisions. Yeah, yeah, it is cool, like because it's all so recent, and also for most, I mean, for all of his presidency, he finished in two thousand eight, so I was what thirteen or fourteen, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, and so, like, I didn't really have any clue what was going on, yeah. but I remember all the stuff. Yeah. Um, so like getting a deeper picture of like mm -hmm. these things that I kind of know about because I was there, but, like, didn't really understand. Yeah. Cool. That is cool. So overall, a recommendation? So far. How many Bills thumbs-ups? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> How many Bills thumbs-ups are possible? I only have two thumbs. <laughs> and two big toes. <laughs> two big toes and two thumbs. So four. four. Gentlemen, four four. Uh, we are only two weeks away from ele electing our next Bloomingdale Church podcast president, and the mm. competition is the fiercest it's been in years. Uh, the FCC mandates that all broadcasts at this time of year 
uh, air political ads for all sides, and our show is no different. Uh, so now we will take a moment and hear political advertisements from our three candidates, the three of you. First up, representing the Jelly Bean Party, the senator from Mexico, Dan Marcello. <laughs> Woo, yes! <laughs> well, it is a privilege to be here. Thank you for having me. I'd just like to say that I vehemently oppose my good friend Bill Calvin's platform hmm. because he has stated repeatedly that we are to leave him alone, <laughs> that if he is elected, he will not serve. If he's drafted, he will kill someone. <laughs> and I quote. <laughs> and so I feel like we need a president who wants to be there, who mm. wants to serve. And jelly beans aside, we want what's best for our great nation. And, I, and, and if you <laughs> vote for me, you also get a, a co-president. You and get a two daughter. For the, and, <laughs> you get two for the price of one. We will work doubly hard. We'll be doubly more effective. Scott and I work well together. It's Medically proven. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the doctor. Ask the doctor. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm Dan, and I approve this very scrambled, interesting message. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, moving on, representing the presidential conglomerate, Boston apologist Scott Reed. Bill Calvin's never had a real job in his <laughs> life. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Anyway, Bill Calvin has said repeatedly that if elected, he will not serve. He doesn't want the job. He doesn't even want the podcast. He'll shut it down. A vote for Bill is not a wasted vote in the sense that it won't impact the terms of the election, but it is a wasted vote in that it will end everything. <laughs> On the other side, of the three candidates, two of them are really one candidate. So you either vote for Bill and gain nothing, or you vote for Dan and Scott and gain jelly beans. <laughs> the option is clear. The choice is easy. A vote for Scott is a vote for Dan, and a vote for Dan is a vote for jelly beans. <laughs> I'm Scott Reed, and I approve of this message. <laughs> and finally, from the curmudgeon party, Akron's muffin man, Bill Calvin. Yes, I stand by my motto, if elected, I will not serve. If drafted, I will kill somebody. <laughs> He's not I lying. don't want this job. <laughs> and I have high regard for my opponents. Hmm. Why would you vote for me when you could vote for Dan Marcello and Scott Reed? They're far more intelligent. They're younger. I could die at any moment. <laughs> Who knows how much longer I'm going to be around? I may not even be able to fulfill a term. So how long is a podcast? It seems insane term? to vote for me. Don't vote for me. Whatever you do, don't vote for me. <laughs> Get out there and vote for that jelly bean party. <laughs> this is Bill Calvin, and I approve of this message. <laughs> that's that's oh, very how moving. How long is the term? It's very moving. We never Bill, clarified that. Uh, it's two years. Hmm. The podcast presidency is a two-year term. So if Dan and I are elected, will it be four years? No, one of you will be vice president. That's not true. Yes, it is. No, it's not. That's as, what the Constitution as says. The president, we've changed the one of us will. Then... You're not emperors. You can't restructure the podcast. We government. can't elected. It's, wow. uh, an executive order. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, listeners, the polls are now officially open. You can cast your vote for podcast president by emailing your pick to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. At least a couple of people have already voted, um, and we will stop Amazing. collecting ballots at midnight on October 27th with the winner announced on the show. Uh, that'll be recorded on the 28th. So vote early and vote often. 
How are things looking right now? What are the polls showing? Oh, I can't talk about that. The exit polls, that Max. The exit polls. Well, I mean, we can look at Twitter. The caucuses. <laughs> we <can look laughs> We're long past the caucuses, Scott. It's a fun word. It's time for listener mail. Scott, you know where that comes from? Ring the listener mail bell. Ding, ding, ding. Do I know where what comes from? The word caucus. No, where does it come from? I don't know. I want to know. Listener mail is brought to you Hmm. by the BC Learning Center. The mission of the Bloomingdale Church Learning Center is to provide a place for guided learning in a Christian atmosphere. We want to serve our community by providing a learning space for students grades 1 through 8 currently participating in online school. The Learning Center is equipped with dedicated adult supervision, proper Wi-Fi and internet, and enough space to appropriately social distance. The BC Learning Center, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash learningcenter to learn more. Bill, that's open, right? It opened on Tuesday. Wow. We had our first students come in, and it looks great to me. And we've added some options. We have an after-school option we're working with, too. Great. Because some kids... Their parents are still at work. Hmm. They need supervision. They need to get their homework done. So our motto is their homework is done before they get home. Okay. So I, I, I think it's great. I'm hopeful that we get a lot of kids in. And yeah. I also see the great potential of this could be our very best children's ministry hmm. because there's so much downtime during the school day. Mm-hmm. And we're filling that time with Christian activities like, Christian music and uh, praying, Bible stories. It's, it's got a lot of Christianity mixed into the day. So I, I look at that and think, wow, if you have a kid for eight hours and they're exposed to Jesus Christ, the Word of God, over and over again during those eight hours, what a, what a great outreach. Sure. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would-you-rathers, trivia quizzes, votes for president, uh, and your own children to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org, just like Judy did. Judy says, in John 2.4, Jesus said to his mom that his hour has not yet come before acquiescing and turning water into wine. Have you ever wondered about what went through his mind at the time? He was 30 at that point and had yet to begin his ministry, and he hesitates here. What was he waiting for? Thank you for your thoughts. Judy. I've wondered about this my whole life. Because he does the miracle shortly thereafter. Maybe an hour went by. We don't really know. One thought I have is with Jesus, he's so precise about the hour. Mm -hmm. He could have even said, my second hasn't come yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So maybe that's what he meant. I I really don't get it because he did the miracle that same day. Mm. Makes me wish that we could not just see how the Bible is written, but know the tone in which it was said. Sure. Like, Mm. Was Jesus kind of with a twinkle in his eye saying, like, my hour hasn't come yet. Wink. (laughs) (laughs) Conceivably. In the message. You wonder, like, he was a man that had humor. Like, he wasn't like this emotionless robot. Yeah. So, like, what was the tone? And I would love to to know that. So, in the movie The Chosen, this is so well done. Hmm. If you haven't seen that, you want to see it. Because that miracle unfolds and you get new insights into it. It, it is awe-inspiring mm. when that water is being turned into wine and the servants are watching this happen and how grateful the uh, wedding party is, the, particularly the family who's providing the meal, that Jesus has bailed them out of lifelong disgrace. Mm. It, it is really powerful. Mm. And it, mm. 
I've read the passage probably a hundred times minimum, but seeing it in that movie just brought it to life in a new way. Yeah. Is there a sort of a theology behind why Jesus waited till he was 30 to really begin his ministry? Why, why then? Which I know is kind of an arbitrary question, but still, I mean, there's so much empty space in the documentation of his life. Mm-hmm. One thing that I really am blessed by is Jesus is living in the shadows of John the Baptist. Hmm. John the Baptist is preaching to great crowds. People are getting baptized. There's a really a revival going on. And Jesus is in the wings watching obscure. It says a lot about how humble he is. Hmm. It's really a great lesson for all of us that we don't have to be in the limelight mm-hmm. all the time. And yeah. God's doing something. Just don't get in there and, and be a distraction. Watch what he's doing. And when it's your time to answer the call, be ready. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm blessed by Jesus waiting till he's 30. I, I have a hunch that one reason why he may have waited till he was 30 is you could not become a member of the Sanhedrin until you were 30. Hmm. And so you weren't really considered a person of gravitas until you were 30. Okay. So Hmm. it could be simply nobody was going to pay attention to him at 29. Right. Plus he's not a threat to them at that point either. He's not a threat to the Sanhedrin if he's Mm -hmm. not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was it the, I could be remembering this wrong. Was that the age where priests were ordained? I believe you're right. So that kind of speaks to Jesus priesthood as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Hebrews talks about yeah. being the high priest. Completely. Good memory, awesome. Dan. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Judy, for the question. Thank you, Judy. Let's get into Topic of the Week. Topic of the Week this week is brought to you by Fall Family Fun Fest. Join us. Officially known as F4. F4. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I interrupted you, man. Join us for a fun <laughs> harvest. Don't. I mean, it's the sponsors that paid for it. Join us for a <laughs> fun harvest-style event with music, pumpkin painting, prizes, crafts, a short message, and more. Parents and kids can wear a costume if it is clean and not scary. There will be a prize for the costume that most cleverly represents Matthew 5, 14 through 16, which is, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. There is also a raffle for several prizes for parents, so please make sure that your children are wearing clothes they can paint in because the best crafts can be messy. Fail... uh, <laughs> Fail. F4, October 24th, uh, 3 to 5 p.m., outdoors or indoors, depending on the weather. For more information into RSVP, email danm at bloomingdalechurch.org. I am the sponsor. I got to have a word with myself for interrupting. Well, <laughs> do you want to say anything else about it? No, we'd love to have you. Anyone that has kids, even if your kids are teens or older, whether your kids are super young, no matter what age, come put on your. Funnest costume. Sure. Come join us. It'll be a good time. Now, is this sort of a reinterpretation of the trunk or treating that we've done in the past? or No, it's just a fun event for families. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, for Topic of the Week this week, um, I want to talk about prayer, and specifically when we've touched on this in the past, but you know, when we pray for things, when God answers and he says no, um, we often pray for good things, um, and we often simply pray to avoid bad things. But sometimes the answer to our prayers is no. And I want to talk about what does that mean? What does it mean when we pray for something good 
and God says no. And, and if I can, right off the bat, to start with the example that um, really is on my mind, just found out two days ago um, that this family who lives right next door to my parents, who I've known my whole life, um, the, the father uh, is 45, and he had had liver cancer for uh, a long time. They've been praying for him. And the whole family, the whole extended family had come to this confidence that, you know, they had prayed for him a lot and they had felt a peace that God was going to heal him. Mm. And he passed away two days ago. Mm. Um, and that was just a, a, a horribly painful and, and there's just no word for it. Um, but it makes me think about that relationship we have with God and the questions we ask of like, why do we pray? But also, what does it mean when we ask God for something that seems so good? What does it mean when the answer is no? It's crushing when it's your family member that died and you had the assurance that they were going to be all right. Somebody not close to the situation would look at it and say, if he had liver cancer, he's not going to live. He's, he's going to die. Also, somebody who's a Christian and not real close to the situation, which is me, I look at it and say, there's something great that God's doing. We just don't know what it is yet. And it may take 20, 30 years for that greatness to unfold. It could be this youngest son. Maybe this is going to mark his life actually in a good way, making him a stronger young man and a stronger adult. And it wouldn't happen if his father were still living. It, it's just hard. It's it, Probably nobody's going to know until we get to heaven. Then mm. we'll really understand it. Mm. But I... Don't feel comfortable pointing my finger at God and saying, oh, you really let us down here. Mm -hmm. What is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. I've come to the conclusion God is a good God, a loving God. He's got the best in mind for all concerned, but his ways are not our ways, yeah. and he is so far beyond us due to his omniscience that we're, we're really so short-sighted and so dull. It's really not our place to accuse God. And, mm -hmm. Hmm. It's easy to be angry with him when you're hurting so badly, hmm. but to accuse him is really not our part. Hmm. Makes me think. Makes me think of Jesus praying in the garden, mm -hmm. praying, "Lord, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me." And I'm sure God the Father didn't want to see His Son go through horrible pain and disfigurement and suffering, but ultimately chose not to answer that prayer. Mm -hmm. Chose not mm -hmm. to deliver His Son, but to hand him over and have him be put to death. Um, ultimately for the redemption of all mankind. Yeah. But that, that, was, that strikes me as an example of a prayer that, well, I'm glad that God didn't answer because then we would, none of us would be here mm -hmm. if God had said, okay, I'll spare you from that. And yeah. You don't have to go to the cross. Mm -hmm. But because of that, we, we have salvation by his grace. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of the times in my life where God has said no. And it's stunk, and it's like you're saying, Max, like I, in those moments I could see, like, God, if you just do it my way, kind of my narrow vision, like if you just answered my prayer and gave me what I wanted, like life would be so much better. Mm. But in all those situations, I could look back and say, I'm glad he didn't answer the way I wanted, like with the gift of hindsight, like in the moment I was wanted what I wanted, mm -hmm. but mm. God was able to accomplish something 
that I couldn't even imagine through even hard times. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had just gotten what I wanted, probably wouldn't have grown. I've never thought about that idea of Jesus praying, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it's your will, like take this away mm-hmm. from me and God saying no mm-hmm. to him. Is it okay to be angry with God, to be be sad, to be scared, to be angry? I believe so. I think the book of Psalms attests to that. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in the Bible is David admonished for being angry with God. God abides in the truth. Mm. And David was being honest. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that is what makes those Psalms so beautiful. God's big. He can take it. God wants to have our fellowship all the time, even when we're Mm -hmm. angry with him. Mm -hmm. So he'd much rather have us speak to him in our anger than just shut down and walk away. Mm -hmm. Like the Bible says, do not sin in your anger. So like being able to have that anger, but not taking it to that extreme of taking it to a level of sin, of cursing God or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, having a chip on your shoulder, holding a grudge against God, if you will. Mm-hmm. Or even to just say, well, that's okay. And not really, mm, sure. what you're doing is you're lying to God. Mm. Right. Mm. God really can't work with that like he can the honesty. Mm. Mm. Can you speak a little bit to the, like, why do we pray? Why do we ask God for things? Why is that important to our relationship with him? I think it's pretty simple, honestly. There's a great book on prayer. It's written by a fundamentalist Baptist evangelist who's now with the Lord. His name was John R. Rice. John R. Rice is a real fundamentalist, like a fighting fundy. That's why I would have thought, mm. oh, I don't think I want to read this. Okay. Boy, this book is phenomenal. It is a great book on prayer. But the title, Asking and Receiving, is showing that even the mature Christians are asking and receiving. And I honestly, I, I couldn't keep on praying if I weren't, Mm-hmm. receiving, if, mm-hmm. if, if nothing would ever happen from prayer, I wouldn't do anything with it. I'd, I'd just throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. But I do ask and I do receive. It's not everything that I'm asking for. Usually it's way better than what I'm asking mm-hmm. for. So that, that's how we have human relationships too. We do, in a good relationship, you do ask and receive. Mm-hmm. You give mm-hmm. and receive. People who will only give and not take, they're stunting the relationship. You you have to do both. I was just thinking about that, that prayer being that that means of conversation, of relationship building. Because like none of us, if we if we all saw each other and we put our heads down and never greeted each other, never talked, like mm-hmm. we wouldn't really have much of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so prayer is really that that means by which we're able to connect with God. One of the ways, obviously mm-hmm. not like the only way, mm-hmm. but really a way of building trust with him. Yeah. And I just was preparing a message I'm going to be sharing in a couple of weeks, working on that today and thinking through those things of building trust and trusting God and those things in our lives that are really hard to trust God for. Mm-hmm. And prayer just being one of those ways that, that we can approach God and build trust in those shared experiences we have with him as he answers our prayers, as uh, that the giving and the receiving, like Bill's talking about, the, the peace that we get in a tough circumstance. Like all that serves to just kind of build that trust muscle we get with God. Mm-hmm. On the other side, if we don't pray, then we don't exercise that muscle. Right. It can go weak. Have you guys experienced really substantial seasons where you've continued to try and do God's work without 
continuing to feed that relationship where you're not praying regularly, where you're not in conversation with him. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced the repercussions of that? What I really experience is praying and just feeling like I'm not getting answers. Mm. I'm just praying prayers that are bouncing off the ceiling, which I don't think is true, but that's still the way it felt. Mm -hmm. Because it'd be a long season of dryness. Mm -hmm. Nothing's happening at church. It just isn't happening. That's what I've got a greater experience mm -hmm. with. Yeah, I think we all have peaks and valleys in that sense with God. And like you were saying, Bill, I totally agree. There's definitely seasons of dryness where you feel like I'm in the desert and I just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and, mm -hmm. and try. And I think I love what I think we mentioned on the podcast before and what Pastor David will say, you know, just doing that, the next right thing, honoring God, even though your emotions might not like be in that same place, choosing to pray, even though you don't feel like it, mm. or even though it, it feels like prayers aren't being answered, continuing to, to try to keep doing that right, what you know is right, mm. connecting with God, even though like everything in you might scream, like, I just don't want to do this. Mm. Yeah, I think one thing that this goes back, to, I think, to your second to last question, but uh, this idea of why do we pray? Um, you know, thinking of God as our Father, and and we're just talking to Him. You know, and 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 the Bible tells us that God delights in in giving us gifts, um, as a good Father does. And and so, you know, if you're interacting with your dad, or if you're a dad interacting with your child, you know, thinking about like you want to tell your dad what you want, mm -hmm. um, because he wants to give it to you, and he might not always give it to you. It might not be good for you, or he still wants to know. He still wants to know. What's going on with you, and and approaching in that in that way, like Dan said, it's you know prayer is not just making requests. Prayer is the means by which we talk to God, and so sometimes that looks like kneeling down and bowing your head and folding your hands and and you know saying thous and thys and whatever you know whatever you picture when you think of praying. But sometimes it just means chatting with God, <laughs> just mm -hmm. telling him what's going on and what's on your heart, and it's it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Um, you know, Jesus says that we need to come with childlike faith, and he calls God Father. And that's really all we need to know is that God's our Father. Come to him like children, just simply without reserve or worry about how he's going to react or how he's going to take things and just tell him what's going on, mm -hmm. how you're feeling, what you need, um, what you love about him. Matthew 7, verse 11 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Alpha has a whole week when it comes to spiritual healing, when it comes to praying for healing. And, and we should have faith that we can ask for things and God will give them to us. How do we hold that in balance with the possibility that, you know, we'll ask for an answer and, his, and he'll give us an answer and we won't like it? When in Alpha you're praying for healing, how do you approach that sort of balance? Well, I'm not sure we are that balanced. <laughs> we've just watched a video on does God heal today, and 90% of the illustrations are he healed. He mm -hmm. healed, he healed. And then Nicky Gumbel will throw in one where he prayed desperately for his friend who was playing racquetball with him and, and died right on the court. It was one of his best friends, and the man had either four children or six children, and you think, oh, 
brother, this is horrible. So Nicky Gumbel prayed, and he's bawling his eyes out, and the man dies. So that's the abrupt reminder that, yes, sometimes the answer is no. I don't pray so much, if it's your will, Lord, that's already taken for granted. Hmm. I'm, I'm not trying to obviate your will. I'm praying for this friend of mine who's got this ailment. I'm claiming these verses that you've given to us. You said it, now do it. And God's not put off by that. It's not like I'm manipulating him. I can't manipulate him. And we make it clear to the people we're praying for, we can't heal you. We just don't have the ability. And even though your doctor's trying hard, doesn't look like the doctor's having much luck either. So let's turn to God. Not as a last resort. We really should be turning to him as a first resort. And I've got a great story about that I'll tell in a few minutes. But we're turning to you, God, and the idea is God will glorify himself, heal the person. The person gains trust in God. The people around have their faith enhanced. I really believe in healing. I believe it should be happening way more than we see it happening. Mm. And I think the reason why we don't see it happening is our knee-jerk reaction is, get out the medical card, let's go to the emergency room, get this mm. taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I, I think God's heart just drops, sort of, you're Christians, right? You can talk to me right now. I'm better than that whole hospital will mm. ever be. You haven't even said anything to me. You're busy getting babysitters for your kids and running to the hospital. What's wrong with you? Gives me a lot of peace knowing that God's will is always to heal, and it might look different than we expect. It might be a healing that occurs in heaven after a person passes away. Yeah. We're not like that, and it's hard for us because we miss the person. It might right. be a loved one or someone we really care about. Uh, but sometimes it's his will to heal in the here and now. Hmm. Sometimes it's an emotional healing or a healing from addiction or the healing might look different based on the person or what God wants to do in the person. But I believe that as well as always to heal. Any last things that you guys want to say about God saying no? I want to hear Bill's story. It left me in suspense. <laughs> a few weeks ago, a lady in our church called up and she said, Pastor Bill, can you pray for my healing? I thought, okay, I'd like to be anointed. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I I can't break away right this moment. She says, no, no, I'm coming to you. Okay. She had fallen down, and when she got to the church, it looked to me like she had a broken nose. She knocked out one or two of her front teeth. She was complaining about her ribs. They were hurting. And I had recruited Chelsea Reinhold to come pray with me. Mm -hmm. So Chelsea and I are listening to her talk, and uh, she's... Got a little bit of blood from hitting her nose. So this lady had written pamphlets, maybe even a book on healing, that Jesus Christ heals today. So she really, really believes in healing. And she had as her knee-jerk reaction, go to a Christian, preferably a pastor, an elder, and ask to be anointed and healed, as opposed to run to the doctor. So I thought, this is really God-honoring. Mm-hmm. So Chelsea and I anoint her with oil, lay our hands on her, pray. When I'm finished with praying, I do my best to say to the person, do you see any difference? Oh, yes. I don't hurt here anymore, and she's pointing to her ribs. 
thought, wow, is that great news? She says, and I can, I can walk better now. I mean, she limped from her house about a half mile away to the church. I'm, I'm good. God healed me. Praise Jesus. So she's kind of enthusiastically praising Jesus. And Chelsea and I, we're happy for her, and we're, we're nodding our heads and just thinking, wow, this is awesome. So she kind of bounds out of the church, goes back home. The next day I called her up to find out, oh, how are you doing? She says, I am doing great. I'm healed. But all right. Now, because of COVID, she hasn't been coming around to church, mm-hmm. um, not even for the outdoor services. She's really stayed herself. Or if she came to the outdoor services, she must have been behind tinted glass in her car, and I just didn't see her. But I think that was very God-honoring. And you might say, well, what about her front teeth? They got knocked out. She didn't like those teeth anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured, all right, so she's probably going to go to the dentist and, and have implants or false teeth put in a bridge, something. But I've, I feel like even if that had turned out poorly, that her ribs were cracked and they still were cracked and her teeth were knocked out and her nose was broken, I, I really think she honored God by saying, I'm giving you first shot at this. So I, I just love that. Mm-hmm. We, we've got, I've, I've got a crazy story. My mentor was Elmer Murdoch. Uh, he was a big-time Alliance pastor for many years. He, he was the poor guy that followed A.W. Tozer in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> okay. He took over Tozer's church, and you think, nobody would do this. But somebody has to. So Elmer Murdoch walked into that position. He served for several years. But there was a time when he was between churches, we'll say, and he became the assistant to Dr. William Bryan in Toledo, at the Toledo Gospel Tabernacle, which was considered one of the very top CMA churches in the country. And Dr. Bryan, I think, only had a sixth grade education, but he read voluminously. So he he became an honorary doctorate, probably because he sent a million kids to some school like Nyack or Crown. Well, Dr. Bryan's having a heart attack. And he says to Elmer Murdoch, take me to the hospital. I'm having a heart attack. So Elmer's got him in the backseat of his car, and they're driving to the hospital. And Dr. Bryan says, you know what? I'm okay now. <laughs> Go take, Drive me back home. <laughs> and, and, and Dr. Murdoch's like, I don't, no, no, let, 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 let's go to the hospital. No, no, I insist. I'm fine. I'm trusting Jesus Christ for my healing. Let's go back home. And they do. And he, to my knowledge, he never went to the doctor anytime nearer to that heart attack. Wow. So you say, wow, these people are a bunch of fanatics. And the answer is, yes, they are, because he believed that healing is in the atonement. Jesus Christ was healing him in that moment. He's the only one that knows how he was feeling in his heart. Mm-hmm. So it was just, let's go back home. I don't need to go to the doctor. But, but that shows how, how much faith these people have in the Word of God, in the doctrine of healing in the mm-hmm. atonement, that, that they do something like that. And that's the only story I've got of that nature. Sure. But, but it's, it's a combination of scary and inspiring, all rolled into one. Oh. And it, it looks like it worked <laughs> out because it, it wasn't like, and then he died the next day. There's, there's, <laughs> it was nothing like that. It, it's, it's great to be around those old timers. I mean, Dr. Murdoch's like 93 years old now. Sure. You know, Dr. Brian 
Well, you know, he's in heaven because if he were still living, he'd probably be a hundred and something. That was a great story. It was. <laughs> uh, listeners, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes, and heart attack stories to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. For our closing segment this week, it's time for bets. Last week, I traveled to Seattle to visit my family, and Scott wanted to know how many people would be in my row on the plane flying out there. Dan said six, Scott said four, Bill said five, I said three. I flew out on Thursday, I flew in last night. Uh, on both flights, I was in the first exit row. The exit row behind me was full both times. On both flights, I was the only one Whoa. in really? my really? entire row. How do you feel about that? On either side of the aisle. Well, <laughs> they, they, some people sat down next to me, and then they just you know grabbed their noses. Oh, and okay. Off. But that means that uh, you're just staring a hole in me, Dan. No. I will be enjoying <laughs> delicious jelly beans. I've been thinking that maybe, maybe I should take myself out of the running for some of these. Anyway, uh, the time is quickly coming when our services will be moving indoors. The last outdoor service we have planned is October 25th, right, Scott? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been inside a couple times already due to weather. Our bet this week, first, will the services move indoors this weekend. Now, obviously, Scott has some say over that, so take that into account. Well, is this both of the services? This or is, either of the so services? this is both services, so you'll give two answers. Oh. Saturday is currently uh, forecast to be 57 degrees and cloudy with a 6% chance of precipitation. Sunday morning at the time of the service is 47 and cloudy with 15% chance of pr- precipitation. Uh, and as our tiebreaker, because I imagine we may have some pretty similar bets, what will the outdoor temperature be at the start of both services. Wow. Bill. Yep, I'm ready. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. All right, so I said Saturday no at 57 degrees. Sunday yes, 43 degrees. Oh, wow. Scott. I'm very similar. (laughs) I said Saturday no at 58 degrees. (laughs) Sunday yes at 44 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also very... Almost exactly. Saturday, no at 57 degrees. Okay. Sunday, yes at 45 degrees. Nice. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Like an impossible tiebreaker. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, you, Max. Dan Marcello, take us home. It will be my privilege and joy. You've been listening (laughs) to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast from Bloomingdale Church in Bloomingdale, Illinois. The heart of the nation. I mean, I really admired Warren Wiersbe for some books on prayer. You know Warren Wiersbe? Yeah. Cool. He was a teacher at Trinity, and I, I called him up to ask him if he would preach at our church because I was having my mouth wired shut. Ouch. <laughs> I was correcting my bite. Uh, let's do a sound check. Did you get that? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Okay. <laughs> Because I'll have to settle down. <laughs> My dad has a smartphone. Really? He doesn't know how to text. I'm not even sure he can make a telephone call with it. It's really just a Why is it there? pictorial directory of his great-grandchildren, okay? Aww. So 
I, it's the first time he's ever spelled a word on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's a bunch Huge. of letters, and you just think, how did he do that? And, and sometimes he gets them embedded into a picture, and we think, that is so cool. How did he get that embedded into a picture? He can do all these functions on a phone. We don't know how this happens.